You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. You wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Cujo, that's Cujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work, and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash tower junkies pod and follow us on twitter and every other level of social media at tower junkies pod and if you'd like to support what we do here you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts uh, again that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer at one dollar per month you get access to b-roll recordings of us just kind of shooting the shit and talking about uh, random random topics at the $2 level, you get that, plus TV and book reaction reviews. Um, I did a full four or five, four episodes, four episodes, no, five episodes uh, on Billy Summers <laughs> um, for four, totaling four hours. And uh, I'm also doing episode recaps of, uh, or episode reaction reviews of Chapel Wait. And uh, later this month, I'll be doing uh, Foundation. On Apple TV Plus. So that's at the $2 level. $5 gets you that plus commentary tracks. And at $10 gets you all of that plus early access. Having said all that, um, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt. And joining me today, as usual, is Tiny. Hi, girl. How's it going, Tiny? I'm a boy. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yes. I would have gone with man, but okay. I, well, <laughs> obviously, you don't know me that well then. <laughs> Debatable. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh yeah yeah so uh yeah how's it how's it going it's going good buddy good good um so today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing stephen king's latest novel that's right we're going to be covering something recent (laughs) um (laughs) and in a timely manner uh we're going to be reviewing billy summers um very excited to talk to you about this tiny because uh, I'm just, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it and, uh, and to, uh, to talk to you about it. Totes. Yeah. But before we do all that, we do have some Stephen King news and check-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that, do you have anything to say? Anything, anything for the podcast outside of news and check-ins? Um... No, I don't think so. Okay, I feel <laughs> I feel like phrasing it that way makes it makes it seem like I'm hinting as I'm like it's actually my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's not. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. But yeah, um, but yeah, we did as of like a week and a half ago. I think we did begin 
our journey into year five of Tower Junkies podcast. So uh, I think the anniversary of when we started is like August 20th. Um, so it is September 1st that we're recording this. And uh, yeah, I erroneously mentioned that we've been doing this for five years in a previous episode. Uh, we've been doing it for four years. So right. here's to a couple weeks more. Um, <laughs> nice. So, uh, so yeah, so let's get into some Stephen King news and check-ins. Do you want to do that? Let's do it. All right. So there are various news items that I want to bring up. And first, it pertains to the book that we're reviewing tonight, actually. Um, there's an article on KansasCity.com called, uh, that the, that the title of the article is Stephen King's new book features Kansas restaurant. Owner says he got something wrong. <laughs> Uh, which it's a charming, like local news, uh, thing. It's something kind of, kind of funny. So, um, I'm just going to put a link in the show notes, of course, but, um, uh, let's see. So, um, okay. Quote from a resident of protection, Kansas is a couple of the characters from Billy Summers stop for the night in a little town of protection, Kansas, because it's almost halfway to where they're going, but also because they both like the idea of staying at a place called the protection motel. Um, yeah. Okay. That wasn't the quote I was looking for. Um, <laughs> so protection is a real place, a town of 340 people in Western Kansas and, uh, on Broadway, the town's main street, uh, you'll find Don's place in the protection motel, just a short walk away from each other. So in the story, I won't give away any details or anything, but, um, in the book, uh, basically it says, um, the, the, they name, uh, King references Don's, Don's cafe or Don's place or whatever. And, uh, says, says that, uh, there's, it's the kind of place that only the actual quote is, um, they eat at Don's place, which is just about the only place in, in, uh, protection, uh, that where people come to feed or whatever. Uh, the menu consists mostly of burgers and corn dogs. And so like the whole point of this article is that the owner and the townspeople are like, no, there's a lot more stuff. It's like, there's <laughs> steak and, and country fried steak, country and fried steak and fried chicken. Yeah. And I thought that that was kind of cute and quaint, but totally. Uh, but the owner did go on to say that uh, he doesn't believe that Stephen King has ever passed through, but if he ever does, his meal's on the house. Yeah, I saw that. So I thought that was that was kind of charming. Totally. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a twofer for news uh, for this next one, but uh, a new a new adaptation of Salem's Lot is uh, going to be produced by New Line Cinema. And uh, there's some been some casting news. Um, Tiny, have you seen this? I have. Okay. I didn't recognize the name. Um, for the Lewis, lead. for the lead, yeah, Lewis Pullman. Yeah. Um, he is Bill Pullman's son. Right. That is all that I. I didn't. Look, I didn't look him up. Has he been in other stuff? Do you know? I think so, but I don't know offhand. Nothing notable, probably. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, but um, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. He was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. He was also in The Stranger's Prey at Night. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm intrigued. He's going to play uh, Ben Mears. Yep. And then some other casting news was announced mm -hmm. um, just a couple days ago. Um, three people were added to the cast. Uh, Mackenzie Lee is going to play Susan Norton. 
And uh, Matt Burke is going to be played by Bill Camp, which I'm very, very intrigued about. I love Bill Camp. Yeah, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see someone who appears to be as young as Lewis Pullman is mm-hmm. play off against um, Bill Camp. And Bill Camp is a Stephen King alum. Ah, uh, yes. He was in uh, The Outsider. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Spencer Treat Clark is mm-hmm. going to be playing... Um, um, a character. I can't remember who he's playing. Is he going to play Mike Ryerson? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Mike Ryerson. So, uh, that's interesting. I'm curious. I don't know Mackenzie Lee from anything, but Bill Camp and Spencer Tree Clark I've seen. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested. Do you know what service, uh, like Salem's Lot's going to be on? I don't. All I know is that New Line is producing it. So it might oh. be a theatrical thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, I thought yeah. It, I thought it was a series or is it a movie? Oh no, it's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. Okay. Yeah, I yep. thought it was a series. No. Um, cool. Yeah. Yep. And then I thought I had two other things, but I don't know. But I'll just say that I haven't checked this out yet. But as of today, Strawberry Spring, the podcast, um, based on a short story by Stephen King, uh, which we referenced last time on the podcast, uh, released its first two episodes today. So yep. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't listened to him yet, but it's out there. So cool. Yeah, have you? Is that on your radar? After hearing the uh, trailer last time, definitely on my radar. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, me too. It's a Stephen King thing. So yeah. Yeah. Um. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that that's all I have for news. I I okay. swear I had something else, but I don't know. That's all you shared with me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about your check-ins, though. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, while I'm going to throw you under the bus, uh, first, why don't you hit me with your check-in? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any other than I finished Billy Summers. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. Yep. Awesome. Cool. And I finished it in a timely manner, too. Like, yeah. It was less than two weeks. I mean, it's, a de- it's not a long book, but it's... No. Decently length. Yeah, it's comparable in length to the Institute. Yeah, um, right. So yeah. yeah. All right, so yeah, so moving on to Stephen King check-ins. Uh, for me, I have a few things. Uh, first, um, shout out to uh, to fellow podcast, Stephen King podcast, uh, that we've referenced a lot in the past, The Year of Underrated Stephen King, um, a fantastic podcast that... Uh, Kim C, the host over there, invited me on to that show to talk about King and uh, a little bit about Dark Tower and stuff. Um, I had a blast. Uh, I recorded with her last night and it was super fun. And um, that episode should be out shortly. But in the meantime, I highly recommend you guys subscribe to it and listen to some of the other available episodes because it's a fantastic podcast. And then listen to mine. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, let me know what you guys think. Cool. Yeah. Tiny, are you looking forward to listening to that episode? Totally. Okay. Good. Good. We already went over this in Patreon. <laughs> um, so, and speaking of Patreon, um, the uh, I am doing episode reactions to, which I already said in this episode, uh, to Chapel Wait, uh, which is on um, uh, epics. Hmm. Tiny, do you have any interest in Chapel Wait? No. Okay. I didn't even I don't even really know what it is. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um so Chapel Wait, for those who don't know, is an Epics original series. Epics is apparently a streaming 
platform. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, I, I honestly was not going to check out Chapel Wait, to be honest. Um, and that is because A, I didn't have a subscription to Epics. B, um, it is an adaptation of the short story Jerusalem's Lot, which is a kind of vague prequel to, uh, Salem's Lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it's the first, it's the first short story in Night Shift. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting enough short story, but it's, it's like set in 1850. It's this guy who's inherent, inherited this mansion called Chapelwaite. And he finds like all of these crazy stuff, crazy stuff going on. And it's engaging. It's, it's frightening. It's scary and everything. And it's crazy. But I'm just like, I don't, like it doesn't feel like it should be like a TV show or an adaptation, um, especially not like a TV show because there's not much there. And then in my head, I'm like, eventually they have to tie it to Salem's Lot in some way. And like I kept thinking, like, is is it even able to? Like, are they allowed to use the word Salem's Lot? Mm-hmm. Um, so like all of that was in my head, and I was just like, I don't know if I want, I don't know if I want to commit myself to this. And then. I went on Amazon Prime and I saw that Epics was available as an add-on subscription. Uh, they had a promotion for uh, to add it as a subscription for ninety-nine cents per month for a year. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, so I um, I got the subscription and I watched the first episode and it's really pretty good. Hmm. Um, it stars Adrian Brody. He is the lead actor, obviously, and uh, it's really it's really interesting. It's it's um, it's a really good like period drama suspense story. And as such, I am recording my reviews of each episode and posting them on Patreon at the $2 level. Cool. Uh, so yeah, check that out for episode by episode um, reactions and everything. Nifty. So yeah. And then my uh, next, these next two check-ins are going to be very brief. Just, just uh, the briefest of all check-ins. Um, I have started rereading Night Shift for a secret project that I'm doing for Patreon, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. Cool. And um, I also, on a very big whim, just decided to re-listen to Under the Dome. And man, that story is so good. <laughs> um, I'm only about five hours into it, um, and it's just it's it's so much fun. Um, it's so good. That's um, another one I'm going to have to revisit soon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like we should do something special for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe break it up into parts. Yeah, because it's so long. Yeah, like the, like we did with The Stand. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Whenever you have the inkling to do that, we'll, uh, we'll do that, and then we'll go through episode by episode for the three seasons that the show was on. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> I can't God. Even, I can't even say that with a straight face. Yeah, I, no way. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe it had three rough. seasons. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all I got for check-ins. Uh, anything else in news and check-ins, Tiny, that you want to share? Mm, nope. Okay, I did forget a check-in. I was say, yeah, I was <laughs> Yes. Say, I was curious about those books over yes, there. Yes, I set aside some books. So, um, I, I was listening to another Stephen King podcast, um, and they had on a guest by the name of Bev Vincent, who famously he wrote, um, The Road to the Dark Tower and The Dark Tower Companion. And he also edited uh, Flight or, or Flight or Fright, um, the collection of short stories of aviation varieties hmm. um, that came out a couple years ago with Stephen King. And uh, yeah, so um, I was listening to him kind of geek out about the Dark Tower and the process of writing the Road to the Dark Tower and the Dark Tower Companion. 
And so I thought, you know, I had been thinking that on this podcast, we initially started as a Dark Tower podcast, and then we just transitioned to a general Stephen King podcast. Mm -hmm. And I definitely want us to cover the Dark Tower and cover it properly in the sense that I want us to go book by book, section by section, deep dive into the story, the lore, the backstory, the everything. Um, so in order to do that, I'm planning on us doing that like sometime next year. It's not going to be like a suddenly like, oh, we're on the gunslinger part one. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to plan it out and, uh, really tackle it with the respect and fervor that it deserves, uh, that it deserves. <laughs> um, but, uh, in the lead up to that, I got a hankering for some more Dark Tower stuff. So I bought, I finally bought, I can't believe I didn't already own them, but I bought The Road to the Dark Tower and The Dark Tower Companion, both by Bev Vincent. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a bunch of essays and stuff. I'm very excited to dig into these. And um, yeah, so I'm going to read these front to back um, and everything. I wasn't familiar with those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if I remember that episode of that podcast correctly, the, uh, the, he said that he, uh, oh God, how did he, it was a really interesting anecdote because he said that he had written to Steve, um, and, uh, something about, oh, cause he was working, he was working on the, the road to the dark tower, like the actual manuscript and everything. And I guess, I guess he was going to take it to Scribner. Um, but they were like, no, we actually already have uh, Robin Firth's Dark Tower Concordance, and mm -hmm. that might be confusing or whatever. So then he went a different to a different publisher. But he had written to Stephen King and was like, hey, uh, I know you're working on the last three books. Um, can I go ahead and get the manuscripts so I can finish my book? <laughs> and like, it's like I when listening to him tell the story. Um, I was just like, I can't imagine Cause like you just, one day they showed up on his doorstep and he had the manuscripts for the last three dark tower books Damn. <laughs> before, like he read them before anyone else. Huh. And I just, I can't imagine having that much power. Right. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. Cool. But I also have my old worn kind of beaten up copy of the Dark Tower, The Complete Concordance, revised and updated by Robin Firth. Mm -hmm. So this is my homework. I'm going to be reading all three of these books. Nice. In the entire time, I'm like 200 pages into The Concordance, but the entire time I am going to be fighting this desire to just load up the Dark Tower books and listen to them right. yeah. uh, from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I'm excited for that. Next year we are going to do The Dark Tower. Tiny, can I get a verbal... Um, a uh, verbal signature from you. I, I'm gonna have to consult with my lawyers before. Okay. okay. Um, I keyed. I keyed. Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Yes. And just so that, just so that we have a clean, a clean copy on this. <laughs> Tiny, do you commit to us covering the Dark Tower series and naming me as a beneficiary in every insurance policy you have? I do. Okay. It's time. Nice. Nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so um uh yeah. Anyway, uh yeah, that that's our pledge. I don't know. That's all next year. Yeah. So, um yeah, I think we're ready to dive in, I think, aren't you? Shiny? Yes. Yeesh. Okay, so we are going to be covering Billy Summers this evening. And uh for those who don't know, the plot synopsis, courtesy of stephenking.com for Billy Summers is 
Billy Summers is <laughs> a man in a room with a gun. He's a killer for hire and the best in the business, but he'll do the job only if the target is a truly bad guy. And now Billy wants out, but first there is one last hit. Billy is among the best snipers in the world, a decorated Iraq war vet, a Houdini when it comes to vanishing after after the job is done. So what could possibly go wrong? Uh, what could possibly go wrong aside from the host of a podcast voice cracking uh, prepubescently <laughs> um, on a recording? Uh, this book was published on August 3rd, 2021 uh, from Scribner. And uh, yeah, tiny. Um we are obviously going to do a non-spoiler and then a spoiler review for Billy Summers. Um, but before we do that, Tiny, what was your knowledge going into this? What is your history with this novel um, uh, that just came out less than a month ago? <laughs> Not much history. I, I really didn't even remember what it was about. Nice. I know I read a synopsis when it was announced, uh, like over a year ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of forgot mostly about it. Like I, I think I basically just remembered that it involved a hitman and that was about it mm -hmm. so okay. um and yeah i just don't really have any history with it because it's so new yeah but uh yeah um yeah. uh same here my history of it was that it was announced i was excited it came up for pre-order on audible and amazon and i pre-ordered it on audible and amazon and <laughs> uh got them the day it came out sweet so yeah yeah um yeah, do you collect physical King books? I don't. Okay. I don't. I might start. Um, I guess it's a conversation for another time, but I'm mm -hmm. very strongly considering getting rid of my physical like DVD collection. Oh, interesting. And just kind of like blame you. Yeah, kind of like having a um, a big Stephen King collection, um, like a physical collection, kind of like you do and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So yeah, we're gonna go into our non-spoiler review. Of Billy Summers, so tiny. Um, another plug for Patreon at the two dollar level. I did four episodes or five episodes for four hours mm -hmm. total, uh, talking exhaustively about Billy Summers. So tiny, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> how'd you feel? Non spoilers about Billy Summers, and uh, yeah, how'd you find it? Yeah, it was good. Nice. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I um, I ended up really liking this a lot. Nice. Um, uh, it was. I, I think it was really fun because it has this direction that it takes for, you know, a good third of the book. And then there's mm -hmm. a significant shift um, yeah. and a shift in the book. And I was, I was so compelled by it because I, you know, it's, you're obviously sitting there, if you're reading the physical copy or you're listening to the, the audio file, you're sitting there mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I'm only five hours into this thing or right. six hours, or I'm only 150 pages into this thing. And this really significant event is happening that I thought was going to be like the climax of the story. Right. And we're already here. It's like, gosh, what's going to happen after this? Like, what's what's the bulk of this Yeah, that's going to happen? Um, and so that was really compelling and it kept me on the edge of my seat. And when it when it went through the shift, it was still just as compelling. Like it didn't mm -hmm. it didn't lose any luster. It wasn't uh, it didn't detract from the overall story. Still cared about the characters. It was it was a really cool transition to weave into a story that like you wouldn't think something like that would work but it totally did yeah and it turned out being really good um my <clears throat> my only real issue with it is the fact that the story itself is um pretty pretty similar to another story um that i'm also a huge fan of and okay. like i can't 
I can't write it off. I can't like a, can fully ignore it. Okay. Um, it's not a copycat story or anything, but it's so much like Leon the Professional. Oh, in- oh, interesting. Which is a movie that I like love. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's so much like that. Huh. Um, it's not a rip off or anything, right? But it's that's interesting. It's very similar. Huh. Well. <laughs> You know, that's really interesting because I did not, I did not make that connection. Um, I made the connection to another movie that I'll talk about in spoilers. Mm. Um, but that's really interesting. And what I found, um, what, what I found kind of maybe not distracting, but I found kind of a, a little bit of an obstacle for me in the story. Uh, in the beginning part is that it felt to me reminiscent of a couple of Stephen King stories themselves so like this whole like the the basic premise in this first third of the book is that billy summers is a hitman who is hired to uh to gun down a person um (laughs) and he has like a month or so early he has a, a lot of lead time before the hit so he needs to like become a part of this like little community and like work and have like do his cover story and everything. And like the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm like, this, this is 11, 63. <laughs> like this is Jake Epping going to uh, 1958 and living in Jody and, and working toward like uh, preventing the JFK assassination. Huh. Um, And it's even similar. Cause it's like, I mean, it's, it's, He's a gunman who's like in an elevated position that's going to take a shot uh, outside. Like, it's just very similar. I was like, okay, this is this isn't as fresh as I would have liked it to be. Um, I didn't draw that connection at all. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and then the other side of that is um, it is all I'll dance around spoilers and everything, but it's all centered around a... uh, a perp walk or a, I don't know if he's going there for an arraignment or mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm like the outsider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the first true. third of the outsider is leading up to an arraignment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, this is, this is like too similar. This is too similar. Right. Um, and everything. But then once, once the plot advances and we get introduced to a new set situation and a new character, even it that's when the book really gelled for me and really got into a point where I like the entire book. I I felt like it was unpredictable. Like I didn't know where it was leading. And I thought that it was just very brisk, very well paced. Um, and like once it gets going, I felt like it was really, really going and really, uh, really thrilling and fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also, um, the main character, Billy Summers, I, Mm -hmm. He was a great character, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have complaints, but I think the some of the backstory, which normally I would love that, absolutely yeah. love that, um, just was a bit disconnected for me. Interesting. Because, um, I mean, from a format standpoint, I'm all for that. I think it, mm-hmm. it informs you know, the, the current actions of the character so well, um, whenever that's used, I love, I love flashbacks like in lost and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. that's really what it made me think of. And I love that stuff normally, but for whatever reason, um, like, especially his, uh, when Billy was talking about like his military service, yeah, that, 
just that stuff i know it, i'm sorry I mean, it was good it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't it was bad it just took us out of what was going on in real time and like yeah and it, and again it's not it's not bad writing not even right. close to bad writing it's just it, it, I used to feel that way with Lost. Sometimes it was mm-hmm. like, okay, I want, I want to, I want to know what's going to happen next. Like, don't, don't take me back. Let's keep going, you know. Right. And I, I don't know. I guess it, it wasn't even used too much either. He didn't mm-hmm. really spend a ton of time on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, of, of a sixteen-hour book, he probably only spent like maybe an hour and a half on his backstory, like fla- yeah. flashback type stuff like that, if that. But I don't know. For whatever reason, there was a couple times where I was just like, I don't really care about. Lala Fallujah, like I want to move on. Right. Like, let's, let's go to get to the next part of the story. But yeah, I you know it's interesting. I didn't have, I didn't have a problem with that. Like, and I yeah. don't. And it sounds like you didn't. You didn't necessarily have a problem with it. You just weren't as invested in it. It was just a flow thing. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even saying it was bad. Right. It was just my reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. And with me, I I was more just taken with the the idea of how King uh, developed that backstory or how he presented it. Because um, the, the, the book, is that a spoiler? I don't think it's a spoiler. Um, But basically part of Billy's cover is that he is a writer um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's writing his first book um, on an advance from, from an agency or whatever, or from a publisher. So he's like the, act of writing is he's writing like he himself is just for himself writing this autobiographical story about his his past and uh in his military career and everything and i just thought that when you look at it when you examine like this type of storytelling um in billy summers versus say misery which is a top five favorite stephen king book Mm -hmm. but those passages in misery where um, it's Paul writing Misery's Return, and it's so it's like like chapters of just this romance novel that yeah. doesn't really connect with it or anything. That loses me just a little bit in that. But mm-hmm. with Billy Summers, it's it's in the way that he changes like his his tone to write as the the dumb Billy persona, mm-hmm. and how that it's almost like a flowers for Algernon kind of thing. Where yeah, right. He eventually like gets to a point where he can write more like honestly in his most more honest voice. But just the way that King utilizes that format throughout the book, I thought was um, kind of was was bordering on on brilliant for me. Hmm. Um, because I thought that was just a very interesting and engaging vessel to deliver character backstory to us. So totally. I was into it. Yeah. yeah, and it was good because I feel like Billy's the, the current day Billy was so mm-hmm. guarded, mm-hmm. and he was very. Um, <clears throat> he seemed to be like a very withdrawn, and then like a um, kind of a soft-spoken, kind of simple. Yeah, simple guy, and honestly, just like not that interesting, right? If if I'm being honest, but I think all those things about when he was a kid and then uh, growing up as a teenager, his military service, yeah. that stuff was all all gave him a lot more layers, and so it was definitely a creatively a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, just just again, just a bit of a flow issue for me. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it doesn't really um, 
pertain to the the present day plot like at all like there are a couple right. like little correlations i could draw but yeah um yeah it was mostly just character stuff but which i was a i was a fan of yeah 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 um as the story progresses um there are certain things we'll talk about in spoilers and everything but kind of on the whole how did you feel about the tone of it in terms of it being a hitman's last job story. Um, how do you think it stacks up as a, as a thriller story? Cause there's very little, if any horror element in this story. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, I guess it's kind of formulaic in that regard mm -hmm. as like a thriller hitman's last job thing. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's really just a, Mostly a jumping off point for the bulk of the story or for the, yeah. you know, the, the big part of the story. Um, I, I'm fine with that. Again, it was compelling. It just the, the whole premise of him, you know, installing him, uh, months before mm -hmm. have him blend in with the crowd and make friends and, you know, put forth this whole persona for this job yeah. was clever in and of itself in just a hitman type story mm -hmm. was compelling. And I was all on board. I was patiently waiting to see what happened next. You know, mm -hmm. it was really compelling. I liked all that. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like super original or anything. And that wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a strength of the story mm -hmm. or it wasn't, it wasn't the most, uh, most prevalent strength of the story anyways. Okay. Um, there's so many other things that jumped out. So, so many other parts of the story are, are what I'm going to remember mm -hmm. as opposed to the, the details of the job, if you will. Yeah. The, like the procedural crime type thing. Okay. Um, that stuff was all fine and, and, and fun and everything. It was, it's kind of funny to think of Stephen King writing a story like that. Yeah. Um, but of course he puts his own spin on it. And, mm -hmm. and, and I, again, I think the, the bulk of the story and the more enjoyable parts of the story are the other parts. So I totally get that. I totally get that. And while waiting through spoilers, cause this happens like at the halfway point of the book, but which may be a spoiler, but I'm sorry. But, um, how'd you feel about the character of Alice? And we'll talk more in depth about her and her role in the story in spoilers, but in kind of non-spoilers, how'd you feel about that character? Yeah, she was, um, written so well mm -hmm. i think what's so interesting about her is that i i feel like obviously i have no real world experience with this or any, any kind of grounding mm -hmm. in this but uh, the 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 delicacy of writing her as a survivor of a you know an assault yeah a sexual assault um was was really interesting the way he balanced that with there there's so many moments where he shows her like her her jovial youth um mm -hmm. uh it's kind of hard to describe it without going into spoilers but like right. where she's interacting with certain characters and she's being she's being silly she feels it feels like she's a teenage girl again yeah. and she's being silly and flippant and funny mm -hmm. um but that's a stark contrast with some of the you know, her coming to terms with what happened to her mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and also the way that she starts to feel about Billy and stuff like mm -hmm. that. You know, it, it's, it's interesting the peaks and valleys that she goes through in that regards, or I guess, mm -hmm. I don't know, right brain, left brain, or like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, 
a victim who's kind of taking back control of her life. It's yeah. it's that that's one of the coolest parts is she's so so much a victim very early on. Yeah. But she very quickly sees her situation as a way to take mm-hmm. at least that's how I interpret it, as a way of her to like take back control of her life. Cause something someone forced her to do something and you know, I guess yeah. when yeah. something like that happens, I guess it's easy for a person to feel very lost. Yeah. And just completely out of control of their life and just sp- going on a spiral, mm-hmm. right? But she dives into her situation as this kind of outlaw kind of thing. Yeah. Even though she hasn't done anything wrong. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, very interesting path for her to take. Mm-hmm. And I thought the way King set it all up was really, again, just really compelling and, and, and great character work. Yeah. And, and so delicate the way that he, brings about like the or the way that he develops the the relationship between Billy and Alice and mm-hmm. like there were moments where I had concerns about where it was leading and like how it was going to go and I was worried that is he going to give is he going to leave certain aspects of of one of the characters by the wayside mm-hmm. uh, and I'll talk more in spoilers but overall it was very a very satisfying character arc and uh really a really um, cool duo uh, with a lot of heart and just delicacy surrounding it, given their circumstances. Yep. Um, I found that to be really engaging and compelling. Totally. Yeah. I think we would be remiss mm. if in non-spoilers we didn't mention Paul Sparks. Oh, yes. As oh, my the, God. As the narrator of this. Yes. This is he. This is one of my top five favorite mm. favorite performances of all time oh same here when it comes to uh, audiobooks mm-hmm. he was so good um he's amazing he really is and and it's funny because bill his his voice for billy mm-hmm. was so for lack of a better word was boring yeah very he had such a dry completely nondescript mm-hmm. nothing no hint of an accent very no kind of diction or anything, just mm-hmm. very straightforward and kind of monotone. Yes. Just no, just no flair at all. Mm-hmm. But he like, and that's fine. I'm not saying that as a criticism. Right. Because um, it was definitely a creative choice because mm-hmm. of how creative he was with some of the other characters. Yeah. Most notably, um, well, like... Nick Margerian? Nick, Nick and then uh, Georgie Piggs. Georgie Piggs, yeah. Um, and then even like the Ken Hoff character, like mm-hmm. he, he like... Because yeah. um, Billy Summers has this, he presents this like dumb, his, his dumb self or mm-hmm. whatever, this like unintelligent persona to keep people at arm's length. Yeah. But Ken but Hoff. He's underestimated. Right, exactly. Yeah. But Ken Hoff actually is dumb. Mm-hmm. And he, he like overshares and he doesn't know how to read situations. Yeah. And he just has this kind of dumb, he's just dumb. That's the word that keeps coming to mind. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to sound derogatory, but he's like this... This just kind of like a fly by the seat of his pants kind of idiot, basically. Yeah. And I, I think the story takes place in Alabama also. Okay. Um, I was going to ask because I can't yeah. remember if they blatantly said where. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No. Uh, yeah, I think it's Alabama. Okay. Um, but, yeah. uh, but but most notably, the Nick Majerian and the mm-hmm. Georgie Pig's voice were... Just like that... Uh, that yeah. Kind of hey, mafioso. Billy. Billy. Yeah, yes. It's just, that's, that's perfect. Um, it's just, and, and again, this is something that I love in the Stephen King audiobook world in that, I mean, it's Paul Sparks doing 
narration for it. I, I don't know if this is in, I don't know if they're seeking out people who are in Stephen King properties, but like, I mean, like James Franco did the dead zone. Paul Sparks did Billy Summers after he was on Castle Rock and Stephen Weber did it after he was in the right, shining yeah. and desperation. Um, I mean, one of my other favorites is Michael C. Hall. Yes. Pet Cemetery, which he, he's not a Stephen King alum to my knowledge. That's right. He's not. But that's one of my other top oh, five me too. favorite. Oh, that my God. So oh, yep. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, this might be my favorite. He was, he was so good. So um, good. Yeah. Uh, just, I want to listen to it again. I know, right? Uh, but I've got like 20 hours left in Under the Dome. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, he does a phenomenal job. I, yeah. I really hope he does more narration. Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was already a fan, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, this is a strength of his for sure. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, on that note, did you, so parting thoughts for, on, for non-spoiler and then we'll go into spoilers. Um, casting for Billy Summers. Who did you have in mind for Billy Summers? <laughs> I just, I could not imagine anyone else besides Paul Sparks. Same here. Um, exactly. Even though he may not necessarily fit what they what he was going for, I think he's close in age. He's close enough. Yeah, because yeah. Billy Summers is forty four in the okay. book. Yeah. Okay. Um, for again, this won't work, but for Alice, I was picturing like nineteen um, year old Natalie Portman. <laughs> and, uh, Jean Renaud for right. <laughs> Billy Summers. No, I was picturing. Um, wow, this is bad. Um, um, uh, Scarlet Witch. Oh, Elizabeth Olsen. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I was picturing her. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that was that was really about it. I didn't have any yeah. clear cut images for anybody else um i was and again it's bad but i was picturing paul sparks as the ken hoff character too but like paul sparks like as his character Mm -hmm. from boardwalk empire oh yeah because there's a bit of a parallel there he's kind of an idiot who talks a little too much in that in that show oh 100 percent. yeah i can't even remember that character's name mickey doyle mickey doyle yeah yeah um but yeah, I, I was picturing him in that role too, which doesn't make any sense. But, that's uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, huh. So yeah, that's those are really the only people I had imagined for any kind of role. Yeah, you know? honestly, I only pictured casting for Billy Summers. Okay. And throughout the whole book, I was it was Paul Sparks all the way. Yeah. Um, but I did have the thought that because like I I think I told you about this off mic, but um, I was sitting there and I was like, you know, um. Devin Sawa is a big reader, big Stephen King fan. So like I went on his timeline to see if he's talked about reading Billy Summers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he could play Billy Summers. That yeah. would be an interesting choice. Totally. Um, so I could see that. Totally. Um, yeah. Did, and, you, did you mention Jake Gyllenhaal maybe playing him oh, too? Oh no, but Stephen King did. Stephen King did. Yeah, okay. I, th- okay. I, I remember you saying that another time off mic. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Totally. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In an interview with, I think Rolling Stone, Stephen King said that he could see Jake Gyllenhaal playing Billy Summers. Yeah. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes if I remember. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. So get on it, Hollywood. <laughs> um, it's interesting because this book came out a little under a month ago or a little over or a little under a month ago. And, uh, it hasn't, there hasn't been news about it being optioned or picked up by anyone. Um, which is interesting to me because I remember like the Institute was optioned like the day after it was released or like the outsider was like, Oh, Jason Bateman's like, Oh, I'm getting this, um, (laughs) like immediately. So I'm curious what, what the deal is. Well, I I wonder if it's just the, 
issues with how Hollywood's reacting to oh the yeah pandemic, the pandemic and all that. I don't know if that property whole pandemic thing is going properties on. are being bought up like they were before. I don't really know. That's a good point. Which doesn't make any sense to me because of streaming and all that shit. You know, right. there's yeah. so much still so much potential for content. Yeah, but there's probably also a lot of questions about uh, budgeting and and right. Uh, putting stuff into production because like just today i mean uh jackass forever uh mission impossible 7 and top gun maverick or whatever all got pushed really uh, the release date like a year ahead jeez um yeah i think like mission impossible was going to come out like may and now it's going to be october or something dang um so yeah it's it's a mess Hmm. Uh, so that's a good point i did not consider that yeah All right. Well, do you want to go into spoilers for Billy Summers? Yeesh. All right. Well, we are going to play a a bit of music, and then we're going to go into spoilers for Billy Summers. Uh, So stay tuned. And uh, yeah. And spoilers on for Billy Summers. So tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that this was a very tightly written thriller. Yeah. And I want to start with spoilers. Let's talk about the, uh, let's go with the introduction of Alice as a character. How did you feel about her introduction? How did you, like, were you caught off guard? Because it comes very suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you feel about it? And uh, yeah, let's talk about the introduction of Alice. I was definitely caught off guard and I was actually a little resistant to it at first because I mm-hmm. thought as careful as Billy is, it didn't make a lot of sense that he would get involved with this, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would have thought that he would just... I don't know. I, I I was almost sitting there thinking like he should just kind of ignore this situation because. Well, he does address that though. Right. If he had just yeah. ignored it, cops would have come knocking right. at his door like, "Hey, did you see anything?" And oh, you're that Billy Summers guy. You're under arrest. Fuck. Yeah. I understand that, but I I just feel like he he just could have bolted. Just kind of mm-hmm. could have gotten out of there, found another safe house or something. But in the long run, yeah. I do think it made sense. And and also from a character standpoint, I think he had just spent months exploring a whole new part of his personality Mm -hmm. and he's obviously inching towards you know the idea of retiring from his assassin career right if that's even a thing (laughs) um and and really just adapting an entire new persona Mm -hmm. and 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 i think he has sort of a negative opinion of himself he's like i'm a bad person you know i Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to, I have these set of morals or a code where I talk about dispensing of bad people, but yeah. I'm a bad person myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that has him sort of thinking that he needs to start doing more good, good deeds, if you will. Yeah. And so I think that kind of influences his action as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially the, the neighbor, the two neighbor kids who he became same, became so close with, like yeah. really, I think that kind of messed with his head, like especially like he 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 hung under that drawing, yeah, from uh from the girl, mm-hmm. um, that I think all that stuff just from a character standpoint was bouncing around the back of his mind mm-hmm. and was just kind of influencing him that in that moment to yeah. you know I need to do the right thing here. Mm-hmm. This is this is who I'm 
this is who I'm going to be moving forward. And I think I, I, again, I don't have an issue with him right. doing what, what he did, but from the, like, like right at the beginning, I was like, Oh, he needs to just get the fuck out of there. Right. And he should, he should know better. But then again, the confluence of events, it makes sense for his character. Yeah. And what I found interesting about that is there it's, it's relatively subtle. I think, I mean, this is, it starts out like a lot of Stephen King things. It starts out with a kind of log line, long log line archetype kind of thing. Like, oh, Hitman doing one last job, things go awry, mm-hmm. and like he develops it into something a little more unique and a little more Stephen King. Um, in the introduction of Alice, I feel like you're right that it is. It is part of it is Billy atoning for his sins and atoning for uh, him being a bad guy and, and trying to get this new. This new persona up and running. Um, <laughs> and all that's well and good, but I love the kind of subtlety to that because it's not like it's spelled out all that often to us um, throughout the book. It's just it's something that he's reacting to things. And like when when he uh, when when he rescues her and and she like comes to and and they're talking and everything, I first I I love just the very eggshell kind of conversation that they have because it's it's so complicated it's so complex it's so unsure and there's so many questions and everything and i just love the delicacy of their of their first encounter and then the bond as it grows but i also think that um i i'm also uh, i was also surprised i should say by how it subverted my expectations with like, I was like, Oh, so he's going to go kill her rapists. And that's going to be, that's going to be a bulk of action here, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't, he just uh, teaches them a lesson. And how did you feel about that? Uh, It was a little rough, but Mm -hmm. not like too gruesome or anything. I I didn't really have an issue with, I I don't really have much of an opinion on it. Like, okay. I, I kind of thought maybe he was going to, kill him too Mm -hmm. but again i think it was going along this thread of him sort of softening as a person and changing his persona and you know old billy would have definitely just killed those guys Mm -hmm. but it's it was development it's evolution for him and so i yeah uh i liked it again i thought it was compelling it was Mm -hmm. um it was shocking yeah but uh but again it wasn't like grotesque or gruesome and and i think there's plenty of people who would read that and agree with what he did or like you know mm-hmm. it's 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 an eye for an eye kind of thing mm-hmm. and and i think that's you know some people that that's a controversial concept but defensible i guess is how i'll put it so yeah, yeah. and that's that's kind of where i'm at with it i think um, he even uses that phrase an eye for an eye type i, I think thing so in the book yeah and like and that's that's well and well that's that's it's interesting. I had some <laughs> conflict with it just because I I was it it was such an interesting experience for me because I was reading it and I was like, okay, he's gonna go kill these people, and I'm like, I'm all for it. Like, fuck, they deserve <laughs> to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> these people deserve to die in this book. And then he's like, like she tells him, like, don't kill them, and then he's like, don't worry, I won't. And I'm like, wait, so what's he gonna do? And then. 
And then, like, I remember, I said this on Patreon at the $2 level, um, but I remember, like, when I got to that part and he is, like, going to their apartment, um, I, like, I was, I was, uh, I ran and got some donuts and, uh, like, I went into the donut shop, donut, donut shop and got some donuts and then came out and, like, I'm thinking as I'm walking out, I'm like, oh, yeah, so he's gonna, so he is, like, this is, this is him showing that he's a good guy. Like, this is him, like, he really is a good guy at heart because he is going to go and, um, uh, uh, go and dole out punishment to people who deserve punishment because of what they did to Alice. Um, and like, they deserve that. And then he gets into their apartment. And first of all, I, I just love the casualness that he invokes like Trumpism into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously everyone knows that he's anti-Trump as every, any sensible person would be. And <laughs> uh, why well, obviously my politics fall in line with that as well. And I just love the, like he says something to one of them, like, uh, or he, he, uh, the book references, like, um, he's taking away some of the MAGA swagger that this guy has. Yeah. And it's like, there's such a repeated instance through the book of, the people that he is encountering, the the bad people that he is either doling out punishment for or killing, they don't they have that disconnect where they're they don't feel shame. They don't feel like any type of uh like they they don't believe that they are due this reaction, even though they are responsible for horrific acts and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is just so uh, just, just so it's so in line with my viewpoints on certain things that I just love that he included that in it. Yeah. Um, but then the sodomy thing, uh, that kind of, I feel like that was too far. Okay. Um, and yeah, it is eye for an eye and everything, but I just felt like, I, I don't know. It just, it just didn't really sit well with me. It, it didn't feel, I, I don't know. I, it just felt a little, uh, maybe not, I don't know if I'd say too far, but it just, it just felt, I, I wouldn't even say it. I wouldn't even say it felt like, uh, um, imp- disproportionate because it was proportionate. Um, mm-hmm. but it just felt like, a, I, I don't know. I, I've, I, I don't know. I had some mixed feelings about it. Okay. Um, it's weird because I was just like, he should have just fucking killed him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. I had some conflicting thoughts on that. Yeah. I I guess I do too. I, I didn't think about it as much, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sh- short part of it. Yeah. Like he just kind of mentions it offhand. So he was like, so I shoved this mixer up his ass. And right. It's only like a few sentences of the book, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I didn't have a huge problem with it or anything. It does mm-hmm. seem a little intense yeah i guess he could have just beat the shit out of him or something you mm-hmm. know but I, I guess it's it's probably gonna stick with him a little yeah a little longer you know true um, but yeah i i'm not sure how to feel about it either yeah it's i think for me it was just that i had just like within the last with it within the 15 minutes before that scene happened um, I was just thinking like, yeah, Billy's a really good guy. <laughs> and <laughs> right. like that kind of subverted that or turned that around. Cause I don't know. I, I, uh, I keep thinking and I, and I said this on Patreon and also I'm going to avoid spoilers for a movie that came out last year, but there was this vengeance fueled movie. And, uh, in that vengeance fueled movie, 
Um, the character is doling out vengeance. Like she's, she's a character who's like seeking out predators and everything. And like the big finale of it, she is threatening to, uh, to do, to do an eye for an eye thing and, and rape a person, uh, a, a man who has committed rape. And, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about that when the movie came out and his stance was like, he's was that her whole vendetta is on, uh, men trying to uh, men, um, doing abhorrent and, and non-consensual things to women and their bodies and everything. And her solution is to, to do the same non-consensual thing to, uh, to a man who is guilty of that. Sure. But it's just, it's kind of a, 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 a tricky moral, uh, thing. And I think that that was in my head when the sodomy scene came up in Billy Summers. Mm, okay. So, yeah. That's so a, I don't know. That's fair. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's a fair comparison. Yeah. When I eventually reread this, I'll probably cheer it on, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, but that was, that was an interesting, interesting avenue for the book to take. And, uh, yeah, it it was just an interesting like, I, like it was an interesting experience for me listening to it because I was just like, sh- like I'm like all bloodlust like oh yes yes fucking destroy these people and then like it's then I'm like well I mean <laughs> pump let's, the brakes let's pump the brakes a little bit let's <laughs> let's uh, you know you're still a good guy Billy <laughs> um so I don't know I, I'm that's something I'll probably have to ruminate on and think about uh for a while late for a while more yeah um so let's go ahead and talk about the uh, I'm I'm going to kind of break it up into a couple different sections but the um assault on Nick's compound mm-hmm. Um, which I was so sure that like, I was like, oh, this is going to be the finale. This is going to be the big thing. And I'm like, right. I still have like nine hours left. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, and then we'll talk about, um, God, what was the character's name? Um, um, clerk. Clerk. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll talk about all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, Nick's compound stuff. That was just, I mean, that felt like the kind of quintessential um uh kind of hitman infiltrating kind of yeah. kind of uh story and i, I was right. i was all for it i was interested in totally it, it worked in that yeah. regard yeah. yeah yeah how'd you feel about was it margie yeah fucking margie <laughs> fucking margie um, yeah. yeah it um i guess i didn't tie much significance to it i was i was curious as to why he was spending so much time on it and like uh, this what would a normally be a very brief 20 second interaction for this character in this moment. Um, it was kind of weird and I, I thought I was a little bit out of place, but, uh, obviously the significance of it rears its ugly head later on in the book. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, overall the whole assault on his, uh, on Nick's compound was pretty entertaining and pretty cool. It wasn't, Mm. um, it felt pretty grounded, you know, because this is it, it. Sort of had the the formula of being like a like a big action movie type thing, where yeah. a single guy assaults a whole house and like shoots up all these dudes and leaves a stack of bodies behind. It kind of has right. that premise to it, but it it felt pretty realistic because yeah. you know it's just a handful of people and 
he doesn't go on some killing rampage. Right. And he leaves some people alive. Yeah, I re- was very surprised. Really only kills who he has to. Does he kill anybody? Yeah. Yes, he killed... He kills um, the dude in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, God, what was his Dana, name? Was that Dana? Dana, yeah. He kills Dana, and then he... Uh, does he kill the accountant, or... No, I think kills. he does because he was reaching for a gun or something like that. I think so, but also I think the no, I don't think that was the accountant because I think the accountant comes into play later to get the money yeah. from, uh, to to him. He killed one of the other guys. I think I think it was two yeah. two people. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, but he leaves Nick alive, which I found right. surprising. Me too. Yeah, and he came into play later because he got uh, his money and Marge got her money, but to no avail. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so that whole sequence was really interesting. And again, mm-hmm. this brisk pace of a story is just really satisfying to me um, in yeah. terms of just how quick it is. Yeah. Um, and then he learns the truth about the hit. Um, not gonna, we're not gonna go into intimate detail about it, but basically, they hired him to hit the hitman who hit the uh, media conglomerate's son because the media conglomerate's son knew information about the media conglomerate guy. Um, and it's basically, you know, pedophilia, powerful man, pedophilia kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Um, which I found to be, uh, disturbing and, uh, sadly it feels like there's a moment where, um, they talk about how clerk, um, requested a minor mm-hmm. to, to rape because he wanted to know what it felt like right. and what it was like. Right. And that, that idea is so so disturbing Mm -hmm. and so just fucked up yep and it feels so truthful to that level of untouchable power right that a person can possess Mm -hmm. and it's just to have that disconnect that lack of humanity that lack of moral and lack of you know awareness of any consequence uh, in order to just do that, like the broken moral compass of the powerful is, uh, is the name of my autobiography, but it's also, <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's also really, uh, just, uh, it's, it's really, really well written in this book in a very disturbing manner. It very much reminded me of, uh, the movie eight millimeter. Oh yeah. I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which okay. not to spoil that movie, but. Right. Definitely check that movie out. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to slightly spoil, it's not a spoiler, I guess, but, um, I will just briefly say that the other movie that this, that this story reminded me of was Road to Perdition. Oh yeah. Um, You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. The hitman with a, with a young accomplice along the way trying to, uh, he, shit goes south. Right. Um, really right. good movie. I love that movie. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the hit on Clark, that whole thing, mm-hmm. um, it, again, it subverts and it, it surprises in the fact that it's, um, I mean, they get into the house to kill him and everything. And like, he's, like, he's a fucking old man with a cane and mm-hmm. he can barely move. Um, and I, I love this part. And, like I, I love that Alice is the one that kills him or that shoots him. Yeah. And that it's in my estimation, that is my my reservations about the Alice character throughout the book was that she was going to be underdeveloped, which I knew wouldn't be the case with King, but I still had that fear that she would be 
underdeveloped in the sense that um, she is a victim of a heinous crime. And then she, I was afraid that she was just going to be a character that's dependent on a man, Billy Summers, to mm-hmm. to rectify that that pain and trauma. But in the sense that she uh, shoots Clerk and is still able to retain her her uh, her capacity, c- compassion, and uh, innocence to an extent um, at the end of the book is like her regaining her power and her just her having this powerful moment where she uh takes out evil in a sense right yeah it's a nice bit of justice for her yeah yeah yep uh so yeah how'd you feel about all of that and uh the sudden appearance of marge (laughs) i thought it was all pretty um you know a nice nice fluid story but it felt a little rushed yeah It, it just happened quickly it wasn't Mm-hmm. necessarily like bad writing or anything it just uh happened really fast um and i really liked the plan though um because it required some uncomfortable stuff you know yeah uh, i think bucky and billy were uncomfortable putting alice in that situation but yeah she was so gung-ho mm-hmm. that she wanted to do it and they felt uncomfortable about it but yeah um, so that dynamic was interesting to explore, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, like you said, it resulted in her, a moment of power for her yeah, and, and some comeuppance for another character mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, a, a bit of street justice. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was ultimately a really good thing, mm-hmm. at least in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was you know, there were some disturbing, disturbing levels to it, but yeah. uh, especially the whole just, just the depravity of it that, mm-hmm. um, like Georgie Pigs and and then the the mi- middle woman they used, yeah, the and then Madam or whatever, right? Yeah. And then the uh, the like the security guys mm-hmm. who worked for a clerk. Everyone was just so nonchalant about yes. statutory rape, mm-hmm. and this dude just having sex with a kid yeah and it just you know, like you know the whole the security guy being like oh look into the camera and yeah, and, and God, yeah. rub your tongue over your lips and lift up your skirt and yeah. stuff i was like it just, and it, you know it's it's one thing if it's if it was clerk saying those things but it was like mm-hmm. again it was through the it's intermediary someone on his payroll right it's just like yeah. how how can you i don't know and, and that's the thing like you know yeah. that those that in in the real world the disturbing underbelly of the real world involves people like that. Exactly. Mid- middlemen for the rich people who do this to yeah. this gross shit. And it's absolutely to, to, to put a, I guess to put a face to it or to, to see it explored in a piece of mm. fiction like this was yeah. just disturbing, but, uh, but effective, you know, Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and, uh, a slight correction, I think, but, uh, uh, just, just to get it out here, I, it, Technically, like in in the book, it's not statutory rape. It's just out and out child. Just rape. rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Um, but that, yeah, that that just like you said, the kind of gross underbelly of powerful, powerful people mm-hmm. in powerful positions. It's just it's it's disturbing. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, and but, then yeah. but yeah, then Marge. Like again, mm-hmm. I think it was a little, kind of a a bit of a 
too too pretty of a bow to put on it, I guess. Because yeah. because we get no we get no inclination that she is any even anywhere in the periphery of the story at that point. Right. She's been sent money. She's living out with her son, taking care of him, and then suddenly she's in New York or wherever. Right. That yeah, that just felt rushed. Is probably the best way to. Yeah. Put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, it it does make fluid sense did yeah she, did she you know there was you can follow the path of how she got yeah, there right the it's logic not, works it's not entirely out of left field or anything right it's just a little convenient yeah and and to to the book's credit it is calling back something that in the timeline of the book is is fairly recent um so it's yeah. not like this is a something that he did in the first few pages and right. then went on his journey of, of self-discovery and everything, and then, oh, this is coming back to bite him. It's like, right. this is something that happened, like, two days ago. Yeah. Um, or, at that point, I think it was probably months, because they had a whole thing. That's right. Um, but in terms of pages, very soon, very recent. Yeah. Um, I yeah. did, um, kind of, before all that, the whole Sidewinder thing. Yes, let's talk about that. they meet up with Billy and mm-hmm. or Bucky and everything. Yeah. Um, I really like that part of the story, mm-hmm. because it's... What I liked about it is we we had had some time with Billy and Alice together, yeah, and they're exploring their relationship and mm-hmm. there's feelings developing between them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was such a good idea to have another set of eyes on yeah. it and have the you know like the wisdom mm-hmm. of of the kind of the old sidekick of yeah. Bucky, um, kind of bringing it down to earth for yeah. Billy and stuff like that, and him explaining to him. That she loves uh, him. That she loves him and will do right. anything for him. Yeah. And like the, again, the power that he wields, like the power right. that he wields in right. contrast to the powerful men that he yeah. works for or kills. Yeah. And, you know, a credit to Billy and a credit to Stephen King. Mm. I think it's uh, kind of a, I guess it's, you know, it's usually a trope that the hero guy hooks up with the girl. That's right. what I was so concerned about. Me too. The book, yeah. and and I don't think it made sense for the book, and I mm-hmm. I would have been disappointed mm-hmm. if they had. And you know, credit to Billy that there's more than one opportunity. Yeah, where he could have you know right done where she had sex offering, with her basically yeah. right, and he chose not. And I don't think it's. I don't even think it's the fact. I, I don't think he was unattracted to her. I think he had no. some attraction to her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. You know he. Mentioned it's, how she's pretty, she's a pretty girl and all yeah. that stuff, but he's very aware of what she's been through, mm-hmm. their relationship dynamic, and their age difference, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and he takes it into account, and like, look, this is not the best thing for right. either of us. This would be a totally impulsive thing, and it yeah. would probably do damage to her, and... Mm-hmm. He's like, it's just not worth it. And yeah, and, and but but I also love the fact that the first time he kind of, I don't want to say he rejects her, but he just declines her offer, right? Because she wasn't really enthusiastic about it. She yeah. just loves him and wants him right. to feel good and and feel better and everything. She says, and, "I can't make love to you, but I can I can help you help you right." Yeah. And I I I kind of respect the fact that mm. it was. It was, that was grounded because right afterwards he goes in the bathroom and jerks off. Right, right. Because it's like he's still a man. Yeah, <laughs> like he's yeah. not. The book. He's has, not gay. Yeah. The, <laughs> the book has some really uh, that like it, it's kind of a Stephen King trope that it's has like a like uh, the uh, trope of a, of a character's sudden boner 
Um, uh, yeah. Because Stephen King writes a lot about men just having boners. Right. Um, and I do like that. I, what I like about that, that line that the two characters, um, just kind of are in the vicinity of, not necessarily dancing on, but they are in the vicinity of this line in their relationship. And I love the delicacy of that, like on both Alice's part and Billy's part, like her, her saying that, her giving that caveat to that offer saying like, I can't make love to you, but I can, you know, help you out. Mm-hmm. And then like also with Billy, like gently rejecting her and, and, and telling her, no, we can't, like we can't do that. Like later when, when she offers mm-hmm. uh, and everything, it's just, it's a really interesting and delicate dynamic that I found really endearing and uh, captivating between the two characters. Yeah. And that part really reminded me of Leon the Professional. Oh, yeah. There's so much, there's this underlying sexual tension in that movie. And it's it's, a, it's an extra disturbing layer in that movie because yeah. Natalie Portman was 12. Right. And, you know, that's a very disturbing part of that movie, but it's, it's a tightrope that's walked mm-hmm. incredibly delicately in that movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it hmm. made me think of that a lot. That's Interesting. One, one part that jumped out. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Leon the Professional in a very long time. Yeah, it was like one of my favorite movies for a while. And I still yeah. hold it in high regard, but I haven't watched it in so many years. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I loved the the, the 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 sexual tension and how they mm-hmm. both reacted to it. And yeah. kind of the, um, uh, how do I want to phrase it? Not the the... The gentlemanness. <laughs> yeah, the chivalry. Uh, the chivalry. There yeah. you go. The chivalry of Billy and how he's he <laughs> the, keeps a cool head through it. The and, nice guy trademark. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He's not just some impulsive dude right. who throws yeah. his dick and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. that's I appreciated that because it's yeah. not, not typically what you'd get in a story like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, talking about Sidewinder and uh, how'd you feel about the Overlook stuff? Yeah, I felt like there was too much of it. <laughs> I, I can understand that, sure. Just because there's not even a tinge of uh, supernatural, supernatural, yeah, anything in this whole book, and then that right. just kind of shows up, and it's like, uh, I like my my biggest problem was the picture of the hedge animals like moving and shit like that. Yeah, I was like, why why does this need to be in the story? That I, seemed a bit a bit uh, self indulgent. Yeah, honestly, I, honestly, it could have just. I, I prefer Easter eggs to be more subtle. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. if you if they would have just met up in Sidewinder mm-hmm. and that's the only mention of the Shining or the Overlook or anything, mm-hmm. like just let it be Sidewinder. That's it. And don't mention the yeah. Overlook, nothing else. For fans, that would have been a nice little you know, a nice little Easter egg or right. a little reference. But then like they, they you know, she goes and sees the ruins and mm-hmm. she's like, Oh, I could have sworn I saw the hotel for him. And it's like, yeah. could you really? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I just didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. And I totally get that. I, I do think I did. I did like the, like looking over the ruins and everything. Yeah. I do agree in retrospect that the, that the picture of the hedge animals was like, like I said, too self-indulgent too much. Yeah. Um, it's also something that I, (laughs) I have this working theory about Stephen King's recent books. And maybe this dates back to all of his books since he started having adaptations made of his, of his books. But I kind of feel like there's this correlation between 
like a like a recent movie or TV adaptation of his work that he is in any case either involved with or has seen and how some of that influence goes into some of his current writing. So like I could imagine, and this is pure conjecture, I can imagine him uh, being in the world of Mike Flanagan's Dr. Sleep. Maybe he like he was a producer on it. Um, I'm sure I don't know how much input he had on it or how many conversations he had. Like I could see him like living in that Doctor Sleep world and being like, "Oh, now I'm writing the story about a hitman. Well, let's put him in Sidewinder. Let's, let's you know, <laughs> yeah. it's fresh in my mind." Right. Similar with like the Institute. I kind of feel like, and this is a looser thing, but like the Dark Tower movie came out, and there's the whole Al Golciento part with the kids being abducted and mm-hmm. being harvested for to break the beams and everything and then then he writes a story about these kids that have supernatural <laughs> abilities that are right. that are taken away and taken to a facility <laughs> <laughs> so i kind of wonder how much of like how much of his own work in other media is is influencing his writing so yeah I don't know. right totally yeah um so to kind of wind down i have one yeah. other thing i want to talk about okay. and that is the narrative structure the writing uh in the last couple of chapters um i was so taken with the way that it bamboozled us mm-hmm. um i yeah. was surprised uh the just the way that we have um, a chapter that is detailing their their drive back to Sidewinder with Billy having a gunshot wound, and it is written as as his writing, his him writing his autobiography, his writing him his writing, mm-hmm. and then we get to the end of that, and then it's like, okay, well, Bucky is now asking Alice, okay, what really happened? Because she had written yeah, that ending, right? How did you feel about that whole idea, that switcheroo, and how did it affect you? I really liked it all because um, I think, again, a pretty little bow just could have been wrapped on this Mm -hmm. and it would have been uh, unsatisfactory, I guess. Yeah. Or unsatisfying. Um, I think before the whole, as they were planning out the whole Roger Clark thing, I was like, Billy's going to die. Like, if he survives this, I I don't think I'm going to like it. Um, (laughs) And then we get that, you know, the part where ostensibly the part that uh alice wrote where he survives and then they part ways and he takes off into the sunset or whatever yeah i was like okay and i i thought it was a little goofy and then i I wasn't real happy with it and then we get this you know what really happened part Mm -hmm. that i i really liked that because again i thought it was going to be the whole marge uh Deus Ex Machina is kind of, yeah. I have issues with that, but the fact that he ends up dying, I thought was the most realistic and poignant way to end the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love the fact that it was woven into this concept of, you know, kind of passing on his story yeah. to Alice and, and, and securing a future for Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I think he was okay with the outcome of what happened because mm-hmm. it meant that she was going to have a future and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, and, and I think she, you know, she was, I, I, I think it allowed her to kind of process it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ended up ultimately liking the ending a lot. I think it's a pretty creative ending Yeah, and it's, and it's well done. I, I didn't, I didn't have any issues with it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was sitting there and again, you know, we, we were getting the, the the first immediate parts after they 
kill Roger Clark and he's yeah. he gets shot and all that and I'm like you know he's he survives and they part ways and he's, he leaves mm-hmm. the note and all that and I'm like there's still like 45 minutes left in this so I don't <laughs> yeah. think this is the real ending so I'm okay right Interesting. now and yeah. then thankfully we got all the 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 better stuff at the end there. And I really liked that. That's really interesting because as I was going through going through the book, I was uh, reading it along with for the most part I was reading it along with listening to the audiobook. And I had because I was doing those Patreon recordings, I had like checked and like I was like, okay, there are 24 chapters. And then I knew that this last batch of chapters is like the last five chapters is the last episode on Patreon that I did. And so I knew in my head, like, okay, there are 24 chapters. I'm on chapter 23. This is the first person writing of Billy, quote unquote, Billy writing his final pages of his story. And I'm like, like in my head, I'm like, okay, wow. So this is like, I had the same kind of reaction. I was like, so they, they patched him up. Like he's okay. Like Mm -hmm. that just seems really anticlimactic. And by the end of it, I was like, wait, what if? What if she wrote that? And and uh, like I was just I was I was kind of a little bit ahead of King on that. And then, uh, and then the final chapter was just absolutely stunning, stunning to me. Great, yeah. Um, when she is speaking to him at his grave and she tells him that she's going to go to college and be a writer, I like it was I was I was on the verge of tears. I yeah. just thought that was such a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. Me too. I got choked up more than once. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I just, I loved these characters. Me too. And I love the idea of it closing on uh, the idea, the kind of central conflict with the characters as spoken by Bucky is that Alice is in love with Billy and will follow him no matter what. And Billy is a bad guy who he he only kills bad guys and that doesn't make him a good guy cuz he is a bad guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this he has this impressionable young woman uh who feels like like she is in his debt that is going to follow him no matter what into danger into potentially dying and like this that's the resolution of the conflict is not that she dies for him but that he dies and then he has just unknowingly passed on this passion for writing and this passion for storytelling and and like this new life that he's gifted to Alice is just overwhelmingly beautiful in the way it's written out in that final chapter. Definitely. Yeah. So I loved it. Yeah. It was yeah. good. Very yeah. good. Uh, so I think we've talked this out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting late. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, but final question, does this make... And with the caveat that you do need to revise your top 19, but mm-hmm. in its current state, does this does this make your top 19? I think it does. And initially I oh, was nice. Initially I was thinking no, but having thought about it more and then talking it out and everything, mm-hmm. I, I think it does. Like I'm trying to think of other stuff that I know is on my mm-hmm. top 19 that I think this could bump out or uh, nice. Well, know. if you go to towerjunkiespod.com slash top 19, mm-hmm. you'll or maybe our top 19. Yeah, I don't know which one like, but I I think it, I think it'd be somewhere in the teens, the low teens okay. for sure. But I think it's pretty. I think it would solidly be in there. I'm pretty sure I can find something on that list that I nice. liked less than this. I think. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you don't have a number now. I don't have a number now, okay. but again, you know, I I've, I've been kicking that can down the road right lately. But 
Okay. Well, yeah. we will circle back when you do, uh, when you finally catch up to that can mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so, or whatever the rest of that metaphor is. Right. Um, but this, uh, I had such a blast reading Billy Summers and I had such a blast reviewing it in pieces on Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, $2 gets you access to that and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, I put it on my top 19. It bumped Mr. Mercedes. Um, and uh, Mr. Mercedes was number 19. And then I put Billy Summers at number 12. Nice. Yes. So Billy Summers is right underneath Under the Dome and just above Christine. And uh, number 14 is Dr. Sleep, which I feel like should be a bit higher. So oh, eventually yeah. I'll revisit all of these books at some point and uh, mm-hmm. and obsess over it. Nice. Um, but yeah, so that is our episode on Billy Summers. Um, guys, let us know what you thought of Billy of Billy Summers, and uh, let it just you know let us know. Uh, you can reach us on all the platforms and everything. Uh, email me, Matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Once again, check out the Year of Underrated Stephen King. I will be doing a guest spot soon. And next week on the podcast, we will hopefully be having a, what I'm dubbing a Cotet episode, (laughs) in which we are going to be chatting with Kim C. from the Year of Underrated Stephen King. Uh, We are going to be talking about the short stories from, I think they're both from Everything's Eventual, Um, All That You Love Will Be Carried Away, and LT's Theory of Pets. And we're going to just kind of talk about Stephen King as well in general. It's going to be a blast. Check that out next time. In the meantime, check out her show, The Underrated, The Year of Underrated Stephen King. And uh, yeah, I'm going to start playing us out. And uh, any parting thoughts, Tiny, for Tower Junkies this uh-huh. episode? Nope, no parting thoughts. All right, great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. It's, it's, like I said, it's really brutal and horrific. Like, the idea of it is really horrific. Like, I... I I mean, and it is... There's so much brutality to it that it, it is so... I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really, like I said, it's, it's a big pivot for the book and it's not anything that I'm criticizing by any stretch. I think it's very engaging and very interesting. And like I said, horrific, but, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, it's pretty intense. And the way that King writes her grogginess that night and the way that Paul Sparks performs it in the audiobook, that adds an, a whole new level of just haunting to, to it because it's just it's sad it's tragic it's horrifying it's it's abhorrent and just the way that it like the way that tower junkies is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes go to towerjunkiespod.com slash archive you can also like our facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on twitter at towerjunkiespod If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. 
Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and ovanthologypod on Twitter. Finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!